Hi, this is Lisa Hawkins with Christian Warrior Woman. And today we are going to be moving forward with Joshua in Joshua 9. And Joshua 9 is so relative to the things we say and do today. And I'm going to read some from Joshua 9. But um, what I want to talk about is promises and vows and pledges that we make. And basically in Joshua 9 is a great example of, and I'll use marriage because we have a 50% divorce rate in the world and it seems to be holding to that number and in certain age groups it's even higher than that. But I think what's key here um, to learn is that I have counseled and even wrestle with myself in having discussions with people about when people deceive you. And what's really clear in Joshua's um, relationship with the Lord and what the Lord would expect, that even when we give our word to someone who deceives us, our word is still our word. So let's use this as an example. And um, I'll use the example from the book, Christian Warrior Woman. Um, Many of you may recall the story of Eloise. Eloise Eloise was a faithful wife with two young children, and her husband cheated with his boss. And he had come home, he came home, and this is like, you know, back in the 50s, um, or might have been early 60s. Well, close enough. Anyway, he came home to tell his wife that he was going to be leaving her with the two small children and leaving her for another woman and was pretty straightforward. Eloise continued to take care of the kids. Eloise, she didn't lose it. She didn't cuss them out. She didn't do anything like that. I'm sure many of you are like, what? And he, a a couple of weeks later, in a short period of time, when he went to the doctor, he found out that he was critically ill and that had prostate cancer and, and needed to have surgery. And long story short was he, when he came out of surgery, the Lord had dealt with his heart that he went back to his wife. And Eloise continued to be a wife to him until he passed decades later. So many of you, including myself and others, might have felt, well, wow, he filed divorce papers, he left her, and then he got ill while he was with this other woman. So whatever happens to him happens to him. Eloise, when he came out of surgery, um, went by, went to visit him. He called and she went to see him. She brought him home and cared for him until he passed away many years later, which in total, he already had disappointed her, but yet she stood by her pledge, her promise, her marriage vows, even though he had 
You know, we would easily say, oh, because he cheated, she was out of the vow. But sometimes we have to ask ourselves, are we? Because forgiveness, she forgave him. With forgiveness can come reconciliation. And I meet many women who say, oh, you know, if my husband cheated, I could never forgive him. And that's really not true. You can forgive. Because if you can't forgive, then you can't be forgiven. So, and in any relationship, you're going to have to forgive something. There are no perfect people. Now, if, if someone maybe isn't cheating, maybe someone has an addiction problem or to pornography or alcohol, or maybe they're always unemployed, or maybe they get easily angered. Every person has something. Now, am I saying if you're with a husband, an abusive husband who's beaten you and, you know, cheating on you all the time and is never repentive and, and never wants to change, then obviously you're going to seek God for that answer and move forward. I would never recommend anyone be in a situation where they're being physically harmed. And unfortunately today, a cheating husband can bring home death as well with an STD or a disease. But the thing that's very key in all of this is seeking God. And I don't know about you, but I have made decisions in my day and in my life without seeking God. And it's so easy. I'll, I'll speak for myself. Maybe some of you are much holier than me. So you're ahead of the game and I can learn from you. But many times we think of things as not significant. Oh, that's not really a significant big deal. You know, it's almost like we think, well, that's too little to really talk to God about. I can make that decision. Seems pretty minor. And that's what happens, I believe, in Joshua 9, that they thought that they could handle this situation with the Gibeonites because they didn't live near them and they assumed that they didn't abide in the land that the Lord had a promise to them. So they thought, oh, we can, you know, make this decision on our own. Now, the thing that kind of strikes me, because it was a pledge and because you were making an oath, I would think that they would think they should seek the Lord for that because it's kind of a pledge or an oath of some kind, which is to me a little bit more serious than answering a question. But in this situation, you'll find that they were being deceived and wow, isn't that many times in our own lives? Have you ever, someone ever asked you to help them and they ask you about something minor and then you get there and they have all these other needs that'll take up a lot more time than what you had allocated? Or you lend someone a small piece of money and then they come back two, three times a couple of days later, and then you, you feel like the first time, well, okay, I'll help you, and then they come a second. And then you start feeling manipulated and deceived. Well, when we read Joshua 9, 
Joshua and the Israelites get deceived. And in actuality, this chapter reminds me that we, in any decisions we make about our lives, our job, a career, and even down to a car, or even I did learn when I was single about people I would even date. I did, one of my prayers to the Lord was, that and you single ladies, you definitely want to do this. It worked for me with the Lord. I would pray and I would say, Lord, if I meet someone and they are not for me or they're not um, going to be someone who strengthens me, then I want the relationship to be over as quick as possible. And I pray that you will show me who they are early. And I will tell you, every person that I went out with, the Lord revealed it. The Lord had something happen in that first dinner or that first encounter or whatever that made me know this is not the person. And my eyes were my eyes were open and my ears were open. And many times it's because of what we want and we desire that we think, well, this goes along with what should work. This I'll use a man, for example. This man goes to church. And he says he knows Jesus. That's enough. And he's single and available and has a job. That that bar was kind of low. But for many of you, you may think that's a high bar. A man who love, who believes in the Lord. Well, guess what? They could say that. That doesn't mean it's true. I don't know about you. I've met men in the church who to me were... Um, more willing to try to lure me into sin than men in the world. So anyone can try to deceive you. So how would you know if you're being deceived if you don't allow time to reveal the truth? But the one thing that worked for me that I pray that you use is you pray when you meet someone and you notice all those feelings and the attraction, because really what's happening, them hormones are like, he looks good, girl, jump on that, hop that, grab that, you know, try to get that man. And you want to pull back and say, Lord, I know what my eyes see. I know what my heart feels. And I know what my body is responding to. We are human beings. And sometimes as Christians, we don't recognize what our flesh wants. Our flesh wants one thing and our heart or our inner man is saying, no, I don't think you should meet him for dinner at 10 o'clock at night. We won't go there. <laughs> That's a different podcast. So being deceived and making pledges and vows. I've met women, Christian women, who have married men, who have married men, not married men, who have married men and never met their families. No. How do you jump into a pledge and a vow your life to someone and you don't know anything about their life? I've met women who've married men who never met any of their husband's friends, um, co-workers, nor met their family. To me, that is strange. I don't care if they're in another country. There's FaceTime, there's Skype, there's get on a plane and go visit someone. And I, I don't understand why you don't give yourself 
the, the value and the confidence about what you are, your decisions that you're making. And so I hope as we read through this in chapter nine and you're reading this chapter, it reminds you of how easily all of us who's listening to this, someone has deceived or manipulated us at some point in our life, even in in applying for a job. You could go in wanting um, a certain amount of money, then you get in and they offer you less than what you thought the job was. And because you need a job, you take it. There's all kinds of ways that we can be manipulated. So in all things, the key thing here is in all things, we need to pray and ask the Lord for, and don't ever consider something so minor. You know, what you put in your temple, I always think there's a reason we pray over our food. And the food we're eating today and the toxins and stuff in the food, child, we need to pray for double and triple protection over the water we drink and the food we eat. And especially if you eat out a lot, because Lord only knows who's in the kitchen making it, dropping it and, and whatever else is happening to the food that we're even consuming. So we have to be, we have to think that our God is values the small things in our lives, the medium things, and the big things. And for us not to put a judgment on what we should talk to God about and what we shouldn't talk to God about. Let's start thinking that we need to talk to God about everything. Um, our relationships, our career moves in the job. Now, because you get a promotion and they say they want to send you to someplace you would love to live, does not mean that's the right promotion for you unless you seek God. I know this is difficult, isn't it? Because sometimes things happen that you're like, wow, you think this is a blessing from the Lord. That's how I think. If something's come happening to me that I think um, I'm getting promoted. When I got promoted and had the chance to move to Colorado, I had always wanted to live in Colorado. So when a promotion with more money and the opportunity came after I just had a fire in my house, did I not see that as a blessing? And I hopped on that opportunity. And I believe to this day it was because that's where I learned about the love of the Lord was in Colorado. But I needed to, I was in prayer at that time about needing the Lord to come through for something. And he did. So sometimes Even a good thing, if someone had come and said, come to San Francisco for a job, I would have prayed over that because I was thinking the cost of living and other circumstances. So even in things that we think are like a blessing and great and wow, this would be awesome, we need to stop ourselves and say a word of prayer and ask the Lord to lead and guide us. And if this is not for us, for the Lord to show us in an obvious way for us to know. So before we commit to taking a promotion for moving, committing to getting engaged or um, getting married or whatever vow or commitment you might make or even financially supporting a ministry or person, we should actually seek God and 
get confirmation that this is what he would like us to do. Does that make sense? So let's read what happens to Joshua in chapter 9. And in your journal today, I want you to write in your journal something that maybe right now you feel that someone has deceived or manipulated you about. And so what should be our first thing is to forgive them, to pray to the Lord, because what you're going to find in this chapter is that when we make vows and we don't honor them, that the Lord does bring judgment on us and brings judgment on the person who deceives us. And so it's so important before we make any kind of pledge, vow, or um, commitment to something that we recognize if we default on this commitment, that it would not fall as pleasing to God. So Joshua 9, I'm going to um, read a couple of pieces and then I'm going to have you um, read the rest for tomorrow. So it starts out when now when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, and that's the the Israelites basically defeating the different kings, the AI that we talked about um, yesterday in the Canaanites, when they, they heard about what happened in the land and how the Lord destroyed um, the Jericho, the wall of Jericho came tumbling down. These folks are hearing the rumor about who these people are, and they have to decide how can we save ourselves because their God is coming to destroy us. How do we save ourselves? And they come up with their deception of how to be, how to save themselves. And so who are these people? They are, um, they are along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea as far as Lebanon. They're the kings of the Hittites, the Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. They came together to wage war against Joshua. But however, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. They were trying to look desperate and poor, is what I'm saying. That's not scripture. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, We have come from a distant country. And I'm saying this, yeah, like around the corner. <laughs> Make a treaty with us. The Israelites said to the Hivites, but perhaps you live near us. So how can we make a treaty with you? And I find what's interesting when Joshua asked, they, they instantly spin the conversation and he forgets to come back to ask again. And so it states, we are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, who are you and where do you come from? They answered, your servants come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord, your God. For we have heard reports of him, all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan 
and the king of Hezbron and Ah, king of Bashan, who reigned in Astara. And our elders and all those living in our country said to us, Take provisions for your journey, go and meet them and say to them, We are your servants, make a treaty with us. And then they go in to talk about this bread was warm when it was packed, now it's moldy. So they're giving this whole song and dance that they came from a far off distance, which left Joshua to not get an exact location of where they were from. So they kept talking and see when when you ask a question and someone keeps talking around your question, there's the sign of someone trying to deceive you. So the, the Israelites wound up sampling their provisions. And then three days later, so then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live and the leaders of their assembly ratified it by an oath. Well, guess what? Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. So the Israelites set out and on the third day came to their cities. And and they didn't attack them because they had sworn an oath to them by the Lord. Now the Lord had already told them that this was going to be their territory. So here we begin with the struggle. So the whole assembly, when I got, as I continue reading in the Bible, it says the whole assembly grumbled against the leaders, but all the leaders answered, we have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. This is what we will do to them. We will let them live so that God's wrath will not fall on us for breaking the oath we swore to them. So right there is an example of even when someone, you go into oath with someone, whether it's marriage, work agreement, and or you take a job and they promise you a pay increase in three months or four months, and then you take the job and it doesn't happen. Yeah, you've been deceived. But you took the job. And so I always tell people when it comes to employment, if somebody's going to pay you X amount of money, get that money before you start the job. Or set in your mind that in six months or whatever promise they may have made you, if you don't get that, do you still want to be in this job? Because that's your that's your worst that can happen. What's the worst that can happen? That you don't get the pay increase. And the person just told you that, hoping to entice you to take the job. So I always tell people, and they're like, oh, and they say in three months I could do this, and in six months I could do that. Then no, if they really believe that, then let them give you some of that now in your salary. But if you take this job, think of this could be your pay for another year. Okay? So... Joshua now knows, I have to let them live, but we will make them kind of our woodsmen. We'll give them a servant, servile type job. They answered Joshua, your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you the whole land and wipe out all its inhabitants from before you. So we feared for our lives because of you, and that is why we did this. 
We are now in your hands. Do to us whatever seems good and right to you. So Joshua and verse um, 26 here says, So Joshua saved them from the Israelites, and they did not kill them. That day he made the Gibeonites woodcutters and water carriers for the assembly to provide for the needs of the altar of the Lord at the place the Lord would choose. And that is what they are to this day. So I hope in our discussion today and even in this passage that you see the value that when we make vows to people, um, things, organizations, that we should really seek God first because the Lord does hold us to the promises. You know, the power of our tongue. That's why that when the word says it's our tongue speaks life and it can speak death. But what we use our tongue to speak, we need to live by. And I want to share with you a couple of scriptures on seeking God for answers. And I hope this will help you. So if we look at Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Okay, James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. We look at Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known by to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So we need to, in the small things and in the big things, we need to seek God. We need to seek God before we make vows and commitments. I think I've said that three, four, five times. And as we always know, as I taught before, when the Lord said, be strong and have courage, we have to be wise and we have to make sure that our own flesh and and our own natural understanding doesn't override um, when we're on a mission for God. We need to seek him in all things and always and not lean on our own understanding. It is so true. I pray this blesses you today and I pray that Today and tomorrow are going to be blessed in Jesus' name. Talk to you soon. God bless.